We won again. This is good. But what is best in life? How about Howdy, howdy, howdy. It is time for Garage Gamer with myself, your host, David Whitech, and my good friend, Greg Dan. Hello. Uh, Greg is still here from England, and uh, he was visiting this week, and then we took off for uh, Gen Con, and so this is going to be the 2012 edition of the Gen Con wrap-up. Chris Yu, who did not... Uh, go to Gen Con, uh, is not able to be here with us tonight. So it's just going to be me and Greg with you folks. So, uh, Greg, your first Gen Con. Indeed. So was it everything you expected it to be? Um, it was uh, pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> it's really weird. Over in the UK, we don't have anything like that. Right. Uh, we have Eschenspiel over in Germany, which is the big board game con. Okay. I I don't. Uh, I, I really don't think it's um, quite as. I think it's a touch more serious, okay. from what I've heard, than uh, than Gen Con is. All right. I have not been to Gen Con in about. I mean, I think I was there last time I was there. I think I was twenty one. So, <laughs> and it was nothing compared. You know, it was there was no comparison. I was I was not prepared <laughs> for for. Just the massive. Um, I mean, there was what, like thirty six thousand people there. I think oh, they yeah, said something like that. Yeah, and then a lot of people coming in and buying day passes. That the, the yeah. total headcount had to be almost forty thousand. I mean, the place is huge. It's massive. Um, now you got there Thursday. I was not able to get there till Friday because my wife Heather came along as well, and she had to work Thursday night. So, what was it like Thursday when? I mean, because obviously that was right when the first day when it was everything was opening up. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, obviously a lot quieter. Um, but to be honest, all I did was collect all the stuff I needed for the next day, okay, <laughs> and then hang around. But um, you know, there were there were a few things going on. There's still people walking around. There was still there was still a vibe going on. People playing board games all over the 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 pub downstairs or the bar downstairs right. in the hotel. Um, so there was all that going on. That it was just kind of a, a taster of what was to come. Yeah, I, that was that was something I noticed too. Is uh, in the hotel we were staying. All the hotels. For anyone who doesn't know, the Indianapolis Convention Center is just enormous. But yeah, all the massive. hotels around, I think there's what four or five hotels around it, maybe even six, and they're all connected to the place by skywalks, the walkways. Yeah, I mean that's brilliant. Uh, uh, if you don't want to, you d- you don't have to go outside. No, you for didn't the, for the four days, which kind of makes you think that your hotel is part of the convention center. And and but they kind of are. Now I was not in the other hotels. I know you were in a different hotel from us, so you'd seen. Was the hotel you were in? Did they have the was was the lobbies and the and the uh, restaurants and stuff full of gamers? It was n- no, uh, but then I was only in there during uh, during the kind of lunchtime hours. Okay, so it seemed a bit more sedate. But I, th- I think the uh, that was just the nature of that hotel. Okay. Um, but a, a, yeah, there was still yeah there was still massive tables with Gen Con employees and staff 
there to guide people around to show people where to go. It was still very much part of it. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. We were over at the JW Marriott and their little, you know, bar slash just pick, get something to eat area. Every table had gamers with a game out playing. Oh, absolutely. And then you'd go up to the second floor, which is where the Skyway is, and all of, I mean, it's, it's, it's these huge areas, but every couch there's a table in front of it and then there's a bunch of people pulled up and you're either sitting on the couch or you found chairs or they got the pillows from the back of the couch put on the floor and they're sitting around playing playing games i mean every 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 square inch of place there's gamers it made it um, made it pretty interesting for the few people who were staying at those hotels who weren't going to gen con <laughs> who didn't know anything about it um i mean indianapolis had the uh, the moto gp Right. On at the weekend, so <clears throat> particularly on the Saturday night, there was a lot of uh, people in for the bike show. They were walking by. They're looking like, "What are these people doing?" Uh, yeah. And yeah, there was that was it was actually quite funny. Now, um, I think the big draw. Now, I mean, there's constant tournaments and and competitions and events going on the whole four days. I don't think they ever closed the room that the magic. They were playing Magic oh, in. Magic was 24 hours, I believe. And it was, I mean, there was enough tables there. I think I mean, they had hundreds and hundreds of people playing <laughs> just around the clock Magic. Um, there were other tables. There's War Machine being played around. I mean, just you walk in at any point. There was, I mean, the nature of collectible card games means they pop up all the time. Right. There was games there with... You know, fifty to a hundred people playing, and I'd never heard of them. Never even heard of the company that were making them. Yeah, yeah, it's that'd crazy. Be that, <laughs> that, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of how I felt at times. You're walking by, and there's just, a, I mean, a huge row of tables. It's almost like a cafeteria, and there's twenty, thirty, forty chairs along this row of tables, and people are playing games you've never heard of. Absolutely, and, just, and, and they're completely into it, and and they're there, and they got their whole game represented. And, I mean, you, you'd walk down the hallways, and there were people just sitting in the hallways. Yeah, breaking, breaking open what they bought that day, usually. And their friends are sitting around, they're playing it. Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, the vendor's hall was so, I mean, I've, I've never, I don't remember, I mean, I've been to a lot of different conventions, I've never seen a vendor's hall of that size. No, again, that's, um, the, the small cons we have in, in the UK tend to be trader kind of things. Although there are some, but there's nothing anywhere near the scope uh, of the vendors' hall. And I was there, you know, Friday morning when they opened it at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. And there was just crowds and crowds, and it's manic, right? Uh, and once again, I mean, the, I mean, it was at least. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I'm saying it was a hundred yards from the front where you walked in the doors to the back wall. Probably a, yeah. a football field length. It, it at was, least it was, it was a very large hall, and there were twenty. One aisles, I think twenty-one, because I mean, each aisle was because the, each stand was at row. There was row one hundred, row two hundred. It yeah. went up to row twenty-one hundred. So there were twenty-one aisles with just vendor after vendor after vendor down each aisle in their own little booth. And crazy kind of fantasy flight turns up with a massive section, weird privateer press, and then um, some of the companies like Cool Mini or not are representing five or six different companies. And so and you've they got have these four booths, absolutely, uh, and and even then you get to some of the smaller booths where Impact Miniatures were. There were f- four companies in a little booth, right? All trying to do their little bits and pieces. It's crazy. Everybody's calling you over. Everybody wants to give you a demo. I mean, Fantasy Flight practically had. I mean, it looked like a store. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, they had all the shelves set up and the registers, yeah. and then they had just a whole section of just gaming tables, Mayfair games. Uh, the the people from Dungeons and Dragons had, I mean, it, that looked like a whole castle. That, yeah, that, that whole castle erected with that with the you know, just right in the front of the hall there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were showing off their um, new online game. I believe that was the Rise of the Underworld yeah, or the Rise the of the Under Underdark. Yeah, I think the Underdark. Yeah, yeah, their new multiplayer. MMORPG. They looked pretty cool. So they they were going for that big style, and people dressed up all around it. And, and Fantasy Flight had the same. As we'll talk later about one of their games, they had Darth Vader and a Scout Trooper and a Stormtrooper and Jedi's walking around. Exactly. Not to mention all the people who just come dressed yeah, up. And, yeah. I mean, it was like Absolutely. you know hundreds and hundreds of people. It'd be thousands of people dressed up as as whoever. I mean, from. We had people just like Mario and Luigi. One of one of the favourites uh, that went down on the phone uh, on the Twitter that I put out was a uh, a guy dressed as Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, I who looked a, pretty yeah. amazing actually. I took a picture of him and sent that one to Harrison because Harrison just loves Final Fantasy VII, so I sent him the picture of that. I mean, there was just but I mean any any character you can think of was there. I oh, mean, absolutely. From I, I'm not into. I haven't been into comics. In a huge amount, but I can recognise the comic book characters that are coming through, and know that I, don't, I haven't got a clue what they're from. <laughs> but everyone else is crowded around them, going, "Ah, oh, so and so." I started to wonder how some of those people actually, if they actually did. I mean, there were people that were dressed up in their costumes. There was Darth Vader was there, and stormtroopers were there, and there were people dressed like Deadpool and other characters. And I, they. They just stood outside of that vendor's hall, and just people would never let them go. There was just people crowding around them, taking pictures. That's why they pictures. do it. I guess so. That's why they do it. There are some of those costumes you cannot do anything but walk around and have your picture taken. Yeah, if you're wearing it. But and it's like four days of just standing around and people taking your picture. It was just crazy. It was it was such a cool time. I mean, I had so much fun. Absolutely, absolutely. I had so much fun and with all those people there, and actually, you know. There's Wheaton's Law, and everyone was obeying it. For those who don't know what that is, go look it up. Um, <laughs> this is a family-friendly show. Ah, right. But, uh, yeah, you know, I was walking around. You, you have a problem. You stop someone, they're pretty much guaranteed glad to help. Oh, yeah. It's a hell of a community. And uh, it was... What was I going to talk... What did I want to say? Was Oh, um, they have seminars and stuff there too. All sorts of classes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Heather took a class on knotting these bracelets that she did, um, making like felt, like you could make those little felt puppet things yeah. with the needles. She did that. Um, there was like steam making steampunk jewelry classes. I actually went to a couple of lectures um, from. They had authors there talking about. How to you know better your novel, and they had it broken down. I think there were something like eighty classes, one hour classes that you could sign up for on writing yeah. and how to improve your your writing. Um, there were there were countless ones on um, how to games master. Yeah. Different different levels, specific specific RPGs, non specific. Um, yeah, they were the the kind of writing and games mastering were some of the big ones, but there was seminars about the whole uh, the industry. Right. Where's it going? What's it doing? Why is it doing this? You, you think of anything you want to do. There was even knitted dice bags. Yep. <laughs> there was. So, there, or chainmail. Chainmail dice bags. Chainmail clothing. Or how to make chainmail anything. They had classes on it. I mean, it was just anything you want to do in the hobby, there was either classes on how to do it or lectures from people in the industry saying how they did it and giving advice. I mean, yeah. it was just... 
I, I didn't sign up for much, but partly because I didn't realize how much there was to sign up for. Um, I, I didn't really appreciate what I was looking at with the list of stuff. Oh, it just went on, on and on and on. And I'm like, well, I don't know what, what I want to do. I, I knew I didn't want to overbook myself and right. ended up underbooking myself. I, I kind of did too. Uh, you know, it's, and it's like I, I didn't seem to have enough time, even though I underbooked myself, you know, to do all the things I wanted to do. Part of it is I didn't realize... You know, you got to go into the, get into that vendor hall early, and if you want a game demo, you got to get in there and get that game demo. Because um, the vendor hall closed at six p.m., and then there was the big game hall where people were gaming. But a lot of that you had to pre-register for uh, yeah. to get the demos and get the the. the that, that was for actual gaming, so you'd play the four-hour length, whatever game, yeah. rather than getting an understanding of it. Yeah, you'd sign up, and they would just sit you down, and and you'd play for the whole. They'd play a whole game with you. Um, I think the best thing that came out of that part of the show was I actually signed up for a Malifaux demo because I don't play that often. And I figured, you know, let's just – it's something that would be fun to go sit and get a refresher because I haven't played in a while. And they had a, a little class on uh, – uh, not a class, but a little demo for the avatars. Yeah. And I signed up myself and my wife and signed up Heather. I just said, you know, come with, sit with me. If you're bored, you can go, but we're – you know, we were going to be there together, and we weren't going with a huge. We weren't like going with our whole game group. Yeah. So I'm like, just come with. I think you might like this game. She really liked Malifaux. Like she wants the main rule book so she could read the fluff and go through. And when I explained the four factions, she wants to play Neverborn. <laughs> Neverborn. She likes the Lilith, and there's, I was just giving likes, her the concept of who likes they were. the filth. Oh yeah, she doesn't even know that they're filth. She just likes the concept of of them. So. Um, She's looking through it now. She refuses to paint. She says that is not a part of the hobby that remotely interests her. I know quite a few gamers like that. And when she, and uh, in fact, when I first started even playing Warhammer, it looked interesting to her. And then she saw how much you had to paint, and she's like, "Forget it." I did, didn't even want to learn the game because of the painting, but because the crews aren't that huge, I am totally volunteered to paint her whatever crew she wants as long as she plays. So. <laughs> The rules. Yeah, well, it's just awesome. I never thought I would get my wife to play a miniatures game, and she likes Malifaux, so woohoo! Sorted. Yeah. <laughs> Got her into I, fig- I, I, I just was rolling through all the different games in my head that we play, and I'm like, the story on this one would most interest her. It has the elements. Well, it has every element, but it did have some elements. She likes steampunk. It also she likes s- Victorian age. It seems to be the game more than any other that attracts women. Whether that's the look or the feel, Possibly, I don't know, yeah. but it seems to be that, um, weird have said before, that actually a lot of women drag their boyfriends to the to their booth for for whatever reason, something ab- about it appeals. Um, I, I don't know. All I know is she's willing to play. <laughs> that right, done. Gateway opened. <laughs> um, so... I actually blew through. We blew through just about all the all the money we were had set aside to spend in like the first two hours there. Well, you've, got, you've got to do it, otherwise you're not guaranteed to get what you want. Well, the thing is, I didn't get some of the things I wanted, but as we walked through, I found so much more. It's kind of hard not to. Oh, it's um, yeah. I what with traveling back to England, it was easier for me to restrict myself. Right, but it, I found myself picking stuff up, thinking I'll take this, right. I'll take that. And, uh, well, we were going through, and we actually found a lot of games for our, our kids. 
Well, they got that whole kind of kids area. Uh huh. Like they set up that massive area that was aimed towards kids, um, and that's that's without worrying about all the other games that are just good for kids as well. It's a really well kind of organised. Harrison system. Harrison likes to play puzzle games, and his sisters like to play some games like that. So we picked up a few of those and took the business cards to even order more. Um, so I picked up some of that. Of course, now the um, Primateer Press, yeah, they sold out of their two Gen Con special models in like just a couple hours. Yes. But well, it would have been quicker had they organized their booth a bit better. But <laughs> I don't know who, who goes to the biggest gaming convention in the Western Hemisphere and only has two tills running. A lot of them only had two tills running. There were only but, two tills running at, at uh, the Fantasy Flight as well. There, but if you're at Fantasy Flight and you weren't paying by cash, they took you out of the line and they did the, oh, there they did the and then on handhelds. The, yeah. So there was actually two lines and then at least one person walking through. Yeah, there were a few things that surprised me that people just really ran out of stuff like in in an hour or so, and it was like on Thursday too when it's not. I mean, it's like a lot of people are getting there Friday, and I, I was almost shocked. Weird, uh, did not they? I mean, they kept their stuff in stock. They, weird, weird. Also, make sure that not everything's available on the first day, and Fantasy Flight do something similar in that they release. Uh, I think Fantasy Flight release a different game each day, uh, the specials, and Weird make sure they hold back so they've got product to bring through every day. Um, whereas Private Press put it all out there to start with, as did a number of other companies. Different way of working. It 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 did surprise me. I mean, I was I I wasn't angry, but I was just like you you did. I mean, you didn't last two hours. You didn't. I mean. Yeah, you're a big company, and the guy said we brought everything we had. That's why it's on the website because we're making more as we speak. I'm, I'm, I just, I guess I'm just kind of hoping that next year they plan ahead a little more and have a better stock. I mean, they'll probably sell out, and you want to sell out. You don't want to go home with product, but two hours, you just, I mean, somebody needs a slap. Well, I think that happened last year. Yeah, um, I'm not too sure if they're, they're that worried in a way. I guess not. I mean, they have it open now. You can order it. On, well, it's over now, but you were able to order the entire weekend, whether you were there or not. I, and that was, I guess that was my beef, was they said, well, you can just order it online. And it's like, well, any, anyone on the planet can order it online. I'm here. Absolutely. You know, it was like when, when, uh, when my local GW started carrying actually less product. And there was a day Christopher went in there and asked for like five or six different models from the Bretonians. And they're like, nope. No, no, like, well, you can order right here on our computer and we'll have it shipped to the store. He's like, I could have done that at my house. Absolutely. I came all the way, I, I drove all the way here, I, you know. It's, I mean, I I hate to be the ugly American, I want instant gratification type of person, but it was, it. two hours bothered me. It just bothered me. Especially <laughs> when you're advertising it as a con, Gen Con a special. Con special. Um, Weird, uh, like I said, though, did they did a great job and uh, they kept people running through quick. They were doing lots of demos. The new Terra Clips was really cool. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Um, but speaking of miniature game places that uh, that I hope, well, we were just talking about you know next year. I hope this next year. I hope that Games Workshop was there. Yeah, first time in ten years. I was talking to one of the gents behind the uh, the booth there. It was a rather small booth. It was a particularly small booth, and it contained Games Workshop, Black Library, and Forge World in the one. Yes. Um, they were pretty packed in there. Um, well, you talked to the guys. What did you... I did. Um, there's a... 
the Black Library staff were over from England and some of the other staff were over from England as well. So it was being supported by the whole of GW, not just the American branch. Okay. But there's a definite um, want to, uh, to to maintain and grow their their uh, their presence over here for those cons, not just Gen Con, but Adepticon and other things like that. Excuse me. Um, so th- I, I, I'll put a call out there now. If you're... Um, if you're you know, from somewhere around the world that's not the UK and you want Games Workshop to appear, then I think you need to be telling them because it's the only way they're going to learn how how they can utilise these con- conventions and, and shows. And despite what so many people seem to say, they do listen. They may not let us know they're listening. They may not respond the way we want them to respond. But they listen. They know what they know. They're listening to what we have to say. Absolutely. I mean, you came right out and told them, didn't you? You said, "Dude, you're, you know, you, it kind of suck." I mean, didn't. You I, I well, yeah. I was talking to a guy, and you know, I I don't necessarily think I was talking to the right guy, but I I was I said to him, you know, you need to be here bigger and better, and he said, "Yes, we know." Um, whether he can get that across to his bosses is another issue, right? But GW need to be there as a as a big stand with demos. They were the only person I saw there. They were doing painting demos. Just the little ones you get in the shop, Space Marine, the, the Goblin. Yeah. And on the first yeah. day that queue was going around their booth. People, people lining up to, people, to yeah. do a paint and take. I mean, which is what they do. I mean, they do it everywhere. Absolutely. But they, you're right. They were the only ones doing it. There were people there painting. Like, they had the guys from Privateer Press painting up, but yeah, there, there wasn't people a showing lesson. Off. No, there was no lesson. And it what, was... And, as your wife has like proved, the big one of the biggest things with miniatures is the the time and the uh, in preparing the models, painting and making. And if you can show people that it's not that scary, then these board gamers might be more reliable, more uh, might be more you know more, more prone to get yeah yeah prone to getting into into the hobby. And you know, it's funny because you and I both said the same thing. It seems counterintuitive to something like this, but. The GW cart or the GW uh, booth didn't need a lot of GW stuff there. I mean, there were so many people selling their stuff. I think about 20 foot away was the war store yeah. selling their stuff. And then you go 30 foot the other way, there was another shop selling their stuff. There were dozens. We walked up yeah, and down, and I yeah. just stopped counting after, I think, like 14. I mean, Absolutely. everyone's selling their stuff. Forge World. Forge World need to be there in force because of the American. Yeah, uh, exactly. Outside the UK, you have to pay so much for shipping. Um, so fifteen percent flat if, rate, yeah. And if people realise Forge World are going to be there, then they'll order. Black Library need to be there because it's the presence again for the books. But GW need to be there. It needs to be a way to hook people into the their games. Right. Wrong. I mean, I can understand they're never going to come there without it because no. they're not going to have a demo of the game and have someone say, this is great work and I get it, and they're going to send them somewhere else to buy it. Absolutely, but it doesn't but need it, to be massive. But, and if it's going to be your whole line, then get a damn big booth because they had – I mean, there were – there were there were local game stores. I mean, heck, there's a place out here in Mount Prospect called Games Plus, and anyone in the Chicago area knows Games Plus. They had a booth there. Yeah, it was about three times bigger than GW. It was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, GW's was a square. It was like they had a whole I – mean, you could walk around the whole thing, whereas theirs was connected to other booths. You could only walk around two sides. But they had a bigger booth, and it was just a local game store. You need to have – if you're going to do that, you know – do it right. 
And yeah. I, and if, and if you were at Gen Con, I mean, I know we don't have <laughs> Gen Con had far more people there than we have listeners. But if you were there, if you liked GW being there, if you want them to be there next year, write them, call them, tell them because I mean, if people are are responding positively, they're going to be there and they're going to be there bigger. They want to start doing this in this hobby gaming stuff. They're pulling out of tournaments but moving into more of these gaming festivals and conventions i don't know i don't know how high up the highest guy was there but you know i was talking to a guy who obviously was involved with with mainly with forge world mm-hmm. but if he goes back to his bosses all he's got is him saying oh yeah no we need to be there more yeah which which you know says a lot but if like, all of a sudden they get people saying we we want you there we want you bigger and better then that kind of means a little bit more we all know how this is. You can go do a job, and then you come back, and your boss says, how did it go? And you say, they loved us. They thought it was great. They thought it was fantastic. And your boss says, great. If he starts getting calls from people who were there, you know, and that's the old adage in business. If you hear one complaint, there's 10 other people who didn't bother to call. Well, this is the same thing with compliments. Yeah. If one person's going to bother to write in and say you did a great job, it there's means, probably nine other who had a great time. It means a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that should, that people should really... You know, call in and write in. Um, it was good to see Forge World. Um, Forge World carried on. They had their con- uh, their event only models, the uh, Skin Wolf, the yeah Skin Wolf, and the uh, in- Inquisitor model, um, or Arbite model, walking his dog. So it's good to show that they were supporting the you foreign events as as they do the UK events. You did pick up. Uh, I did pick them both up. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I did travel however many thousand miles. And uh, bought Forge World. And bought two Forge World pieces and had to replace a Black Library book, which I managed to lose over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was a bit galling, actually. So um, I did I did pick up... I got a few demos. I picked up a bunch of stuff. Um, I did pick up um, the new book for Malifaux, yep. which has got some really cool stuff in it. I was tempted to buy the Ten Thunders, but I'm, I'm holding off on that only because it was it was one of those things that was going to become a super impulse buy for me, and there were so many different things to buy, I didn't know which to buy. My new system of I want to buy something, I'm going to walk away from it and come back to it and do that as long as possible till I don't want it anymore, um, <laughs> or till I realize that I, I, I'm not going to use it. I, I picked up the book. I have my Dead Justice crew from last year's Gen Con. It's still sitting on my shelf unpainted and I haven't used it. Uh, so I'm got to start playing a bit more Malifaux before I can justify getting any more new and fancy models to go with them. Yeah, I got this one because I just, like I said, I really liked, I picked up, I did pick up a few models, some new stuff that I thought looked really cool that looked fun. Um, but I was overwhelmed with the Ten Thunders and the different boxes and the different things they had there. And so I just like, I'm letting that slide. I'm going to keep working with the crews I have. You didn't buy a big tree for $80. I did not buy the to hanging be, tree. To be fair, it had two other smaller trees with it. Okay, and to be fair, it was about the size of a GW, one of the three trees that comes in the forest. It was, yeah, it was a bit bigger, but it was... Um, a bit. It, yeah, it was, it was more solid, but um, Weird's Nightmare model was a, a hanging tree with a couple of other hanging trees in the box for $80. I thought that was a bit steep, personally. For those who don't know, Weird are moving to a plastic line across the whole... They're trying to move the whole thing plastic, I think. Um, one of the guys on the Thursday night won a 
a box of three metal gammon they're called um, three 32 mil scale models for $21 which again $7 a plastic model yep it doesn't doesn't seem to be a great deal of value not this, I'm not saying they're not worth it just seems to be slightly uh, on the pricey side yeah, yeah, I'm not going to deny that. Of course, I kind of got sucked in because I wanted the um, the mysterious. Oh, you got the mysterious. Oh, yes, the, the see, female that was death marshal. The, the one thing that I was considering, but you have to spend a hundred dollars. Yeah. I wasn't doing that. Well, and I was already spending thirty five on the the book, the book, and I was and I bought a deck uh, that looks actually like a card deck, like the the the, the newest. The newest deck, card which deck, had, which was another like ten bucks, and so I said, "Well, forget it. I'm picking up." Uh, uh, that's when I went. It was the Dark Deeds crew that I picked up. It comes with the new Jacob Lynch model and a couple of other uh, creatures, and these are the new plastics, and they are pretty nice. There is a. I don't believe you get a whole lot of extras, though. No, no, I don't believe so either. So um, you you are getting exactly what you see on the box, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Again, so there's no there's no bit box. It's well to push into, and it's one of those things that makes this game. We had a long conversation, I think, this weekend. Is that, and you kind of agreed with me. One of the things that has always made it hard for harder for me to get in a war machine and harder for me to get in any of these skirmish games, um, is that I'm used to making and building my own characters with lots of bits, and you can make it any way you want and give them whatever you want. And these characters are these characters. So they don't come with extra bits. Yes. It's this model. You have to invest into a weird story. Exactly. As opposed to making up your own. And then I picked up these two beckoners that the guy told me should go with the Dark Debts model. And they look like two ladies in the, well, in their undergarments. Which, I'm okay with that. So, <laughs> Seamstresses, I think. <laughs> Terry Pratchett called them. There, okay, seamstresses. I, b- I believe. I could be wrong. could be a different box. <laughs> uh, what else do we get? Now, you got a demo of this, and I just picked it up off your recommendation. Well, um, one of uh, the two guys I was staying in the hotel um, with came over with Geek Nation Tours, and uh, Terrace had happened to mention to Weir that they were doing the, the pre-meal, uh, the pre-com meal, and Weird turned up with a, a present for every single member of the of of the party, nice. And one of the guys got Evil Baby Orphanage, which has just finished the Kickstarter and, and bid released, which is one of the craziest games ideas I've ever heard. Um, which oh, well, I'll explain it now. Uh, imagine you had a time machine, and you could travel back in time. Now everyone says, you know, we'd go and kill Hitler. Well, that's not particularly humane to kill Hitler as a baby. So the premise is to kidnap Hitler bring him back into the future and put him in a special baby orphanage for evil people so the cards because it is a card game Hitler and Rasputin and Cromwell you, you think Bled of them the Impaler they're all there as Brutus. babies yeah and the uh, the idea is to try and keep them happy in your orphanage and stop people stealing them and, and basically to have a certain amount of points of evil babies in your orphanage the cards are Really clever. The the artwork is funny. Yeah, the they, cards are fun. They have special abilities. Um, so Bonnie and Clyde are grabbers, so they'll steal from they'll steal Ill, toys, steal from the toys kids. from orphanages around you. Uh, uh, Julius Caesar's a bully, 
Yep. Um, so these things are all they're all vaguely connected to some their kids, ability. Yeah, some kids are criers. Some kids are bullies. Some kids are uh, fighters. Yeah, yeah, creepy. The Manson, the Charles Manson one was uh, also got yeah got creepy. He's creepy. Yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> it's it's a great fun game. Only made better by us playing it. In, I say in the in the bar downstairs in the hotel, and, and as a, a non-event goer walked past. Someone's turned around and said, I really need Stalin right now. I'm going to steal your Stalin because he's a biter. It was something like that. And the woman did a double take to the game, saw the, <laughs> saw the cards that were down and the names of the cards we were using, and then turned her head back and kind of double-stepped out of the <laughs> It was absolutely brilliant. But the game... I pro- we probably haven't done it justice. The game is is absolutely brilliant. You have to see it. It's not available yet. It won't be available in stores for I think another two months. But it's not expensive. No, it not was a, not under twenty dollars. Right. Um. I yeah. As a as a kind of game to to plug in and play for a good thirty minutes or so. It's. Yeah. I haven't played many that that feel like that. It's um. It's really good. Yeah. It's a fun card game. Um. And it, there's a there's just there's, it, it's it's a good beer and pretzels game. Absolutely, it'll totally keep you keep you laughing and and having fun with your friends. Um, where else did we go? There was some other cool stuff there. Oh, we did go by Weird, uh, not Weird. What the, I, I, we just went to Weird. Uh, we went by Mantic. Yeah, Mantic had a, a little store. Mantic Warlord and another place were all very close together right and they had a they had a small store but ronnie was there doing demos of dwarf king's hold with the three up models the painted the really yeah. large ones on a large scale board to, to play it that was and was, i i got my first play of uh, pandora yeah um which was which was really good fun yeah really 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 cool project pandora is a blast i have a copy of it i still have yet to paint it um, but it's it's a really that's a fun a, game. A too. very similar feel to Dwarf King's Hold in the stylization of it. Yes, very much. So I don't know if you reviewed. Did you do Dwarf King's Hold on Garage Game of Four? Uh, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, we didn't go over a full. I don't think we did a full detailed review, but we've talked about it on Garage. Well, one of the two shows, <laughs> either Hammer or Gamer, <laughs> we talked about it. Um, I know. I built and there's a whole thing on my blog because uh, Cranky loaned it to us so we could play it and, and talk correct, about it yeah. and then. Uh, I painted up both sets, the one in the expansion for his sons. So um, now I just got to paint Harrison's because he got one for his birthday and his is all bare plastic. Um, the game is so much fun, though. And uh, Ronnie had some neat new stuff there to show us. Yes. And was actually gracious enough to grant me an interview uh, in the middle, of, right before he went to lunch. I promised him I would only take 15 minutes of his time. And uh, the interview actually, as I was watching the time and wrapped it up, Ronnie finished with in at about 14 and a half minutes. So sweet. Uh, I'm going to throw that in right here for everyone. And uh, guys, we'll be back in a few minutes after you listen to me talking to Ronnie. Hi, Hope. Mazda Mundidi Slan here, reminding you to listen to Garage Hammer, the only Warhammer podcast. Cup hands for the win. All right. I am here, guys, at Gen Con with the man himself. The legend, Ronnie Renton. Ronnie, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
Now, uh, I was over by your booth, and you I was so happy you had a few minutes for me. Great. Um, you're, playing, you're playing Dwarf King's Hold with the three-ups with the uh, at the demo. It's really... It's <laughs> yeah, we've done it for all our Kickstarter pledges. We uh, said, come on down. We wanted to kind of do a, a, a thank you for them all. So we've been playing with the three-ups, painted all them all up, brought a, a little pitch. Um, and um, whoever kills the most skeletons gets um, some little treats. Nice. And then we've got a signed copy of Dwarf King's Hold first edition, which is now becoming quite rare, signed by Jake, who oh. will go for a raffle for whoever comes to visit the show. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, speaking of Kickstarter, congratulations on that. <laughs> how, how far did that exceed your expectations? Oh, well, we had, we, I mean, firstly, we had no idea what was quite going to happen. I mean, we, we, we got excited about it. We were sensible. We thought maybe eighty to one fifty range. You know, yeah, I mean, that was the kind of next six months sculpting, and we thought, okay, here we are. That should be sensible, and that would have taken us up before the humans. And then um, <laughs> I think we were at eighty after a week. Well, I mean, we all knew when we saw it was five. We're like, okay, he's going to hit five, no problem. And you hit ten. You oh. were, well, I think you were twenty five by the end of the weekend at oh, least. Yeah, Thirty seven on the Monday morning on the way. Yeah, because I took a screen saver off it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is going to be a challenge. So, I mean, were you guys, I mean, I know you guys had your, like, three-year plan, and we were all sitting around watching. I mean, there was tons of us. Where, like, even we were at uh, at, a, at a tournament. Yeah. And we were refreshing. constantly refreshing our <laughs> phone. Five, yeah. And I was, I, they, and they all knew I was checking this, so I was making announcements. They hit the next one. They hit this. How much were your guys scrambling to get concept art and stuff ready? I mean, you had ideas, but. Yeah, well, I was there. It was moving from ideas and then being able to put something that we could deliver. You know, I mean, we, we had to go from. Um, it was interesting. The phasing is basically quite U-shaped. So the first five days was crazy. Then it went quiet for about five or ten days, which gave us some planning time. Okay. We also had a couple of books there, which the people thinking, mm. and then we had the tap planning time. We worked out the system, and we said, okay. We dropped our shoulder, and we just went. And from that point, it started scaling. We were sat on the Monday before it ended on the Sunday saying, you know what, we might have to plan up to 200 here. <laughs> By the Wednesday, I'm saying, you know, guys, let's get a proper plan for 250 because we are going to do 200. We're going to let's think about 250. I sit there and I'm thinking, I can't even think. I can't think he's going to start with a three. Um, By the Friday before we left, we had to be thinking, okay, we need a three, and we said, well, I'll tell you what, if we get near the three, we'll put the final ogre up, which was the lead figure. Right. We'll put him up as a final thank you. And that's when we'll close it down. And, and if that's the three, incredible. He went up at 2 o'clock on the Sunday. We finished at 3.55. We had to do two more sets after that. And, and they were, and I'm telling you, it, just so you know, from here in the Midwest where a bunch of us were at this thing, every time you put something new on, yeah. at least one person says, okay, i got to go bump my, <laughs> my pledge. I bumped mine three times. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody did. I mean, everybody. I mean, the, the, who, I mean, and I mean, uh, the angels, the celestial oh. army. Well, and we all thought, okay, there's going to be angels, there's going to be devils. And when it was actually just angels leading a human army of these religious, oh, that was fantastic. It was yeah. just, it was brilliant. We, I mean, it was so great. Well, and, the, and the sculpt there, I mean, that's the one that people got the, um, some of the big pledges. And right. They get themselves sculpted up. We've got a, a guy who... Yeah, we said to them, we'll let you influence and, and talk about what you want. And he said, well, I'm really like, mounted on a uh, cat. So we said, okay, okay. Well, 
And then on the Sunday, okay, you know what? This guy I've wanted it. We've been having a dialogue with him over a couple of weeks. It's Cat Cavalry. He's got him, and there they are. So <laughs> that real dialogue, and and then another guy, you know, who now, wants the, the the him and his wife to be sculpted up as a kind of leader angels. They're getting the two archangel poses, and they're going to be full, um, full archangel. One's going to be kind of robed up. And they're going to be having phoenixes and dragons on their armor. So, it's so they'll really be the special characters. Yeah, and they're going to lead the armies. That so was it's just exciting. That's cool. And yeah, that was one of the, one of the bumps I did. I'm like, I got to get these other books too with yeah. the extra heroes and stuff. Yeah. That was fantastic. But um, something else I definitely wanted to ask you about was yeah. you had a little box there. You were flashing at people. Do you want to talk about that? Because yeah, I looked at that and now I am waiting <laughs> ten. I got to wait. By the time this airs, folks, you can go. In fact. On the day this airs, you should be able to go look this up. Go ahead and tell them all about it. Dreadball.com. So we've been thinking about what we're going to do next. And Jake's been doing our board games for the last couple of years. We've got two big war games, obviously. And I think Warpath is not yet ready. The game system isn't ready to be taken on and done what we've just done with Kings of War. But Jake has been working with us doing um, the the Dwarf King's Hold. And then he did Project Pandora. And earlier this year, the two of us sat down. I said, okay, let's get some sculpting behind you, Jake. What, what's your dream project? What do you want to do? And he said, I want to do a game called Red Bull. It's set futuristic, set in the Warpath universe. It's got the Marauders, it's got the humans. It's going to have the Forge Fathers, the Vermin. It's fast. It's on a round, uh, oval-shaped pitch. They go up. When they get in the score zone, the goal appears. They shoot. Um, as soon as they score, the ball comes straight back out again. It doesn't stop. Okay. 14 turns, it starts, it plays. If you get closed out, so it's fast, it's very sci-fi, think Tron, think Speedball, think all those kind of archetypes. Oh, like the highlight stuff with Tron. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's very futuristic, very sci-fi, great game. If you go hit the website, it's dreadball.com. Um, and if this is airing, we're going to launch with a Kickstarter. The Kickstarter is going to launch. Now, your Kickstarter's plan is to start with a two-team set. Am I correct? Correct. We start with a two-team set, and if this uh, is after an hour, we hopefully will be through the first goal. Um, <laughs> you see we're getting cocky now. I'll be helping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that in. means we'll be able to add the referee into the game, and then we're going to get alternative sculpts into the game, and then we'll be able to bring teams three and four forward. Now, the first two teams you're going to start with is the... Um, Marauders. M- Marauders. Yeah, and the Corporation. And the Corporation. Um, yep, yeah, and the Marauders have got a huge orc guard, and then they've got the Jacks, which are the goblins. They're fast and uh, not terribly talented. <laughs> um, and then you get MVPs, um, which which add new dimensions to the game. These are the most talented players that add, add a new dimension. Certain of them are team specific, so uh, Reed Roland will only play with the um, uh, Vermin team. So, so they're actual players. They're not. Bo- they're not. Experience points to add those. You, they're actual special characters. Correct. You got special characters. As you start playing in a tournament, there's a full tournament scene in there. So as you start playing well with your players, they will get experience. They'll scale up. They'll they'll skill up. Nice. So we've got a full tournament way, and hopefully the Kickstarter is going to run and run as we start hitting some of the higher pledge levels. Jake has talked to me about a street version of the game where suddenly you can pick from wherever you want. So you don't just have to have a vermin team. You can have Forge Fathers in it. You can have Corporation in it. You can have every different player. Each one's named. So you can use all the different figures you're getting, and it's just going to scale. And then if we get to the really high levels, there could be robots 
reintroduced to the game. So, oh, great! So, um, so your third, if, if when if you hit it, the third army uh, or the third team will be Forge Fathers. Third team's going to be Forge Fathers. And we, we have those sculpted in metal, but okay. if we can get the Kickstarter support, then we can put those into plastic and add two more players into the team. Okay, and we can get the MVP sculpted straight away. These were going to be the kind of Jan Feb products. They'll right. they'll all be able to pull straight forward. Same with the Vermin. And the Vermin will be your fourth, okay. Yep. And then we've got three more MVPs, including uh, Buzzcut, who plays in number 51. So you might uh, <laughs> you might know his, he's an ogre. So, uh, so he's a big player. And we've got lots of those kind of jokes throughout where we've been able to reference you know, great sportsmen cool. um, or movie characters. Um, and they're going to tease out through the game. So that hopefully it'll be a whole lot of fun. Great. That is fantastic. So um, I just got a couple quick more questions here, and I'll sure. let you go. I know you're busy, man. you got your daughter here. You guys have to go get yourself some burgers. Um, so what's next for uh, Warpath? I've, I, the corporation came out. I know you're working. You're on the beta of the rules. Yep. Which, and the changes, by the way. I've, I mean, I had the first set of rules. Right. The changes to the activation-based and to the I can keep going, yeah. but it just gets hard. That's fantastic. Thank I you. mean, that is a great system. Christopher and I yeah. were both reading. In fact, he called me because he saw it first. He's like, was this in the original rules? Because I have the set and he doesn't. Yeah. I'm like, no, that wasn't in the original rules. He's like, you got to see this. And he rushes it over to my house. It's a that's a fantastic improvement well, over the other system. It's the dynamism. What we liked, you know, there were certain things with our system that we just wanted to sharpen up. We wanted to get it faster, more dynamic, more movement. So you gain, in, with Kings of War, you're playing, the, you're playing your opponent. You're not playing his army. Right. We always didn't want to... Uh, Very so, much like chess. Yeah. As he it. moves, and what are you going to do? Because the the movement is about how you're using your army and how you're deploying your strategies and your tactics, not can I get a magic spell away. Yeah. <laughs> we, we very much want to keep it and we didn't feel that the first version of Warpath had that so we are referring to this whereas Kings of War was kind of right straight out the blocks it was just add more armies add more depth just needed right. a tweak here and there yep. yeah it was all it was I think yeah. the biggest tweak you did was um, you, the nerve test yeah. was about uh, it yeah and, and, it was and, and interesting, that was almost as much presentation as it was a change right um, because the actual stats were pretty similar however with Warpath, we just wanted to speed it up. So we've introduced this, then we're going to put cards over the top, and it's just going to develop and evolve. And then by early next year, we'll be heading into fine. We've, de- we've defined the rules. We're happy with those. Now just get started in the armies. And that's when we can go and put four or five more armies behind it. Excellent. The Enforcers are the next army that's coming out there here in September. They okay. are on the stand. So come see those, and then we can teach Christopher again. Okay. That, uh, <laughs> he's missed those. But they are the uber-heavily armoured corporation. Now... Oh, with this, with the sword things in the in, in the, the wrist, yeah, fully armoured. Yes, and the the idea behind this is that the corporation is not a corporation; it's lots of corporations that go into planets and they sell the strate- the tactical assets. By this, it means okay, there's mining on this. Which corporation wants to buy that? Okay, and it gets into a bidding, and okay, occasionally things are found on a planet, or there's certain things that are wanted that the central corporation, the central government, says, um, "This is no longer a tactical planet. This is a." Strategic planet. You've got fourteen days to uh, to vacate the premises, and our strategic forces will be um, will be able to deploy. And sometimes the corporation think, ah, they're not going to turn up. And when they do turn up, then you get out. You cast, yeah. And that's and, what those and, guys at the enforcers, yeah, correct? Nice. So they are the kind of strong arm of the uh, of the pleasant smiling, everyone's happy corporation. As we know, this corporation is not, is a little bit of a sinister organisation. You know, turn <laughs> up, welcome to the corporation, Mister Alien Race. Now, <laughs> then, yeah, and, and I like how you didn't you made the humans 
sort of the bad guys in your yeah, game. It's, it's nice. My son will kill me if I don't ask you this. Far away. The insectoid race that look that I think that the, the, yeah. like bees. Zool. Zool. He want if I didn't ask you if you, when what where they are on the list. Well, here's what's interesting. This morning at about eight o'clock, I was skyping with Alessio, who's selling himself in Italy right now, and the project the project we were talking about was a zoo. Uh, you heard it here, folks. There First, it's an exclusive. So they're going to be they're going to be uh, insectoid. But the discussion is: do they have eight legs, six legs, four down? Four. So the decision this morning was: they're going to be four down, two up. Okay. Essentially, so six, six legs, four down, two up, and they are going to um, either spit or psychic attack for their ranged attacks. There was okay. kind of three choices: do we give them guns? Do we give them other creatures that they can fire, or do we make it part of them? And the decision was that that's going to be part of them. So they'll they'll either fire things out at uh, uh, spit or, or, or range attack or psychic blasts. Is there a, an insect that we could compare it to? Is uh, well, that's the drawings. That's the drawings. So you know what Alessio does? Is he writes the brief uh-huh. about the army, and then we hand that over to Roberto, and Roberto starts taking these, and then starts you know doing hundreds and hundreds of sketches until we start coming up with some ideas that we like. Okay, because yeah, the, the 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 word around the the the. Uh, you know the the wish listing ga- guessing pool was the the mantic mantises. Yeah, nice. So. Yeah, yeah, mantis. Okay, yeah, we hadn't got that one. So that's so. okay. Well, we'll definitely we'll definitely do one of them that way. So, and if they show up as mantises, I'm just going to say, hey, I yeah, suggested it. That was uh, me. That's all. Yeah. I'll be happy with that. Yeah. Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything? Te- you, you, I don't. You know, you no, have a, you I mean, audience things, of hundreds. Two, two things, but thank thank you for all your support in the last Kickstarter. It's meant a massive difference to the Kings of War game and to the company. We're now able to just get on with the projects we want to get done. That you know, the fact that that human army, I can, I've got it funded, and I can just get on and get the best artists and the best sculptors sculpting it is is phenomenal. And please go have a look at dreadball.com and and if you can support us there because this could be a massive, massive gaming system, and it's so easy. It's going to be so approachable. You can go to your local club. The miniatures are all Remy sculpts. They're all world class. Uh, you know, you'll never get as good a deal as you do on the Kickstarter, and that will just allow that game to come right out the blocks uh, well, flying. I know in our particular gaming group, we got about a half a dozen people who like those bowl games. Yeah. So we got about a half a dozen behind yeah. you right oh, now right. already. There we go. There we go. That's what right. we're looking for. So Thanks a brilliant. lot, Ronnie. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for the time. Precious, this is Smeagol, but I'm not leading stupid fat hobbitses to Mount Doom. I'm here to listen to Garage Hammer. My Precious. All right, so that was the interview with Ronnie. Um, you and I both saw the models for Dreadball. Yep. And they're fantastic. They're pretty, they're pretty good. Yeah, I do like them. I'm very excited to see. I'm hoping that this Kickstarter gets the response that, well, I mean, it won't get it probably as much as the original but uh, I'd like to see all four teams get produced right away I'd like to see that happen yeah it's, it's more options is never a bad thing even yeah. if you're not using them for triple <laughs> yeah there's there's possibilities across there yeah so the models are fantastic so um, it's going to be a Kickstarter so guys it's Mantic's other Kickstarter for Dreadball go look it up on Kickstarter um, and it, if it's not up yet when you're hearing this it will be in just a couple of days and so it's their uh, their sports version, their their sporting game set in the sci fi future. So they're also at Mantic having a, an open day uh, towards the end of September. So there might be 
more coming. Oh yeah, there should be there. yeah because the, the Kickstarter will be in full swing by then. So so if you're going to that, you might find out some more about what they've got planned coming up. Um, we did get to see the goblins too up close and personal. Their goblins are great. I think um, yeah. they are metals, so they're not, they got a little weight to them, and there's. Um, but the forest. I mean, they they they'd make a if you're playing an orc and goblin army for Warhammer, they wouldn't be good night goblins, but they'd be great forest Pro- goblins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's lots. There's yeah. You can do a lot of things with them anyway. Right. And uh, so that was great. What else? What else did we do? Well, I, I looked at Warlord Games Bolt Action. How'd that? How was that? Which is their 28 mil World War Two series, which has kind of got a bit of an interest in it, which looked. Looked good, um, looked thoroughly brutal. Um, <laughs> cl- close combat in World War Two must have been brutal. This game is brutal. There's no rolling to hit. There's just wounding. Oh, that's right. If yeah, if you charge in, you're going first, and you're just rolling dice to kill. And if you break them, and there aren't many left, they just die. That's the models look good. Um, personally, I'm I'm just not a fan of World War Two tanks in model form for some reason. Which is the one thing that puts me off playing it, but the infantry looked good to me. So cool. There was a there's a they, they were kind of really pushing that at the at the, at the convention as a whole. So yeah, I guess, and there was so much other. I'm trying to think of everything we saw. I did talk to the guys at Fantasy Flight, and I told them I liked Blood Bowl Manager. Yeah, and they are working on an expansion. Um, uh, it's whoa, it's called Sudden Death. Yeah. And it, their expansion is going to have three teams, including Undead, and uh, give you some more cards, more options. So if you like uh, Blood Bowl Team Manager, Fantasy Flight's got an expansion coming. And um, I think one of the but one of the things that sold out quickest, at least some of the uh, the blister packs, was at Fantasy Flight's uh, new game, which should be coming uh, coming out here in America in September. Is uh, Star Wars X Wing? Yeah, there was a lot of. Build up to to X Wing before the con. Yes, there was. And now that was the thing that I kept looking at. And now he, I love Star Wars. And now not everybody loves Star Wars. Some people have gotten sick some, of Star Wars. Some people are wrong. <laughs> well, I'm glad Christopher's not here because Christopher has just finally gotten sick of Star Wars. He just says Lucas. The, the, the more Lucas expands his universe, the less Christopher likes it. Well, and there's other people I know who just don't don't read it, don't watch it. Exactly, just stick with the first three films if that's what you like. But um, I absolutely love Star Wars. However, I will I I am of the opinion that Star Wars merchandising can sometimes go overboard. Um, there's tons of games for Star Wars, and not all of them are great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, that's that's the problem, you know. When uh, you know, if you're putting your name on absolutely everything, sometimes people are going to be disappointed. I saw this, and there's you know X-wings and Tie Fighters on little stands, and the models are really good, pre-painted. Yes, pre-painted. They look great. They look really good. For, for the, yeah, most pre-painted stuff, you kind of don't you want to go know. back up and touch up yourself. But these, these actually these look are really like, good. Yeah, yeah, they look right, right out of right out of the right out of the movie. Um. I kind of avoided this on the double principle of it's one of these little miniature space fly around combat games that I've never, I've never really clicked with, and um, I was worried it was going to be just another Star Wars game. Yeah, and uh, everyone was buying it, and I kept looking at it going, 
I can wait. I can wait. I can wait. And then Sunday morning, I was walking by the table, and there was nobody at the table. And uh, Which table did you play on? I was not on the Death Star oh, table. That's a shame. But I actually walked over to the Death Star table just to show it to Heather. Because I said, I think Harrison might like this, and maybe when it comes out, we'll get it for him. Yeah, for those listening, they had a they had their regular tables with just a black mat space, yeah, space background mat. They had one table made to look like the surface of the Death Star, with including turrets. Yeah, they didn't have the trench, everything, but it was no. I mean, it was the raised section. It was not yeah. flat. It was raised section, especially made for Gen Con. It was amazing. It was cool, and <laughs> I don't. I know I wasn't the only person who told them, dude. If you produced that to sell as the board for this oh you'd make you'd make bank because i'd buy one in a second it was so neat um but so we walked over and there was an empty table there and one of the guys like hey would you like a demo and i'm like well sure i'm gonna let me give it a try i've been because i kept i kept walking up friday i walked up saturday i picked up the box i was getting in line to buy it i said now wait i did it again saturday now wait so um, there were two guys playing. Each of them had two TIE fighters. I had an X-Wing, and then Heather got an X-Wing. And the guy's like, come on, play. She's like, oh, I'll just watch. He's like, come on, there's one spot open, play. Um, we played for about 20 minutes. We played four turns in about 20 minutes. That's more than I played. Um, we got the first two turns done. He was walking us through it. Turns three and four, he wasn't even helping us. It was. I mean, the game is that simple. I'm actually considering once next month, once it comes out, doing a garage gamer just on this game if I can get a few more pieces. Yeah, it's it uses uh, the movement uses um, set pieces of cardboard uh-huh. to perform maneuvers, um, including barrel rolls and things for the Tie Fighters, which is quite a nice little touch. Yeah, they had different di- different di- the the X wings and the Tie Fighters had different. Them only maneuvers. Yeah, obviously the Tie Fighter is more maneuverable than an X Wing. Right. So they can perform different things, and they didn't get into many of the advanced rules. But playing the game further on, they've they've got a lot more options in the movement phase. Right. Uh, where the X Wings are slightly more durable, and they have shields, and they have shields. So they can take a little more damage. Absolutely. The uh, the shooting's all done by a, a, a range ruler that's measured. A piece of card showing an ion blast or a, right or a laser blast, so they, that looks good. It it everything looked good. Even the the cardboard pieces looked good. The bases were good. The models were good. Everything is a, it's 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 what you've come to expect from Fantasy Flight. Yeah, it's all top notch pieces. Um, it is going to easily scale into bigger games because the, now I will say this: the box sets the the main game is forty bucks. It's, it says it's a two player game. You get one X-Wing and two TIE Fighters, okay? And that's it. I'll tell you right now, you're going to want either two box sets or you're going to want to buy some expansions because that game's going to go quick with just three ships. This is And, and you're limited tactically yeah. in what you can do. Um, what is neat is you get an X, you get your X-Wing ship and then you add a bunch of different cards so you can pick your pilots. And uh, if you want to scale up to bigger games, you can go by points values. A rookie pilot for an X-Wing is 21 points base. Yep. Luke Skywalker is 28 points. And you can buy that. They are going to be coming out with new, by the end of the year, the Millennium Falcon, the Slave well, One. Well, they got the Y-Wings and the X-Wing Advance. Yes. The first two, and then the, uh, the Slave One and the Millennium Falcon. Are going to be coming which, out. Which, yeah. if I'm going to play it, I'm going to get the Millennium Falcon. And they were very proud to point out that they built them 
proportionate to each other. They built them to scale with each other. Excellent. So the Millennium Falcon is is flipping huge compared to the other yeah. models on the table. It's going to be as awesome. it should be. Yeah, I hope they do uh, different pilots for that. Yeah. So you got Lando and Han. Yeah, that'll be good. I would definitely like to see that. Um, uh, they are selling. That's forty bucks, and then for fifteen dollars each, were the prices for if you wanted to buy extra X, uh, extra Tie Fighters. X-Wings, Y-Wings, those things. Um, what I did find out, I asked the guy, I said, well, why, you know, at $15 a model, two X-Wings and a, or one X-Wing and two TIE Fighters is 45 Why not just buy another copy of the game for 40 bucks? get all the extra pieces? And he did say that the cards for the different pilots and stuff, there are some of the same cards, but not all the same cards. Oh, so if you, buy the, if you buy the booster... It's going to come with your basic rookie and a basic other thing, but then you're going to get a card for a pilot that's not in the basic set. So, yeah. so he goes, it's not exactly apples to apples. So That's interesting. But, it, I mean, it's, it shows their progression down the line of what you can get. You can get you know, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. Yes, that's... E-Wings, <laughs> D-Wings, uh, TIE Bombers. That, you know, if, if you know your Star Wars lore... Um, then there's lots of options. Yeah, and if it does well, they are just planning on making all the different ships, and then you can just have... I mean, you could... Just have, like, a quarter of a Death Star in the corner. <laughs> well, I just... I'm wondering... I, I, mean, uh, I could just picture, with the size of that Millennium Falcon, what happens if they try to do, like, a... They, well, they just... They couldn't do an Imperial Star Destroyer. You can't go it's, to frigates, or even, yeah, even the frigates wouldn't, wouldn't work. No, <laughs> but uh, I'm... I loved this. Like, I was thinking about this the whole drive home. I know you were taking a nap in the back, and I was just driving, and Heather's like, what do you, you know, and I'm like, I cannot stop thinking about that game. I want to play it again. Well, I'm even only just thinking now, you know, you've got all the droid ships and and all those options as well, so there's there's a lot to draw off of. Right. Going back to the prequel movies as well. And um, one of the things I didn't realize until right at the end was, because it's such a simple system to learn, it really works really well. And they, but they managed to take a very simple system with just a couple of you know movement types and specialize each vehicle to have a, its own little tweak. Um, but like on the X-wing, there are options on the bottom, and you can pay for upgrades. So if you're playing on a points-based game, uh, like an extra three, four points, you can get an R2 unit, and yeah. that gives you you a, a benefit. Which allows for, we were talking about campaigns on the last, on the next. On the next Garrett, Crunch Hammer, yeah. we, On we, episode 55. In the future, we were talking in the past <laughs> about campaigns, so it allows for progression in that, if you want, want to do that kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, it was just, uh, that game really the, st- it blew me away. The one thing it doesn't have as a space combat game is a third dimension, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Because the complexity that's added into a third dimension is usually what slow, slows a game down. No, but I'll say, yeah, and I remember when I was, like I said, when I was playing that other game, Check Your Six, you not only had, you know, your movements left and right, but then you had climbing and diving. Yeah. Um, in, with gravity, I see, a, I see a complete purpose for climbing and diving. Yeah. You know, because you have to know how many thousand feet you are if you're going to crash. Being out in the middle of space... Uh, in fact, we actually had one TIE fighter had turned and was aiming towards the X-Wing fighter, and the other one was right behind it. And he's like, well, can I shoot at them? They're in your my front arc. He goes, yeah. He goes, that other guy doesn't block line of sight. He goes, because you're just assumed to fly a little up or a little down. Yeah. But you're not in danger of, I mean, there's no gravity. So there's no. no absolutely. And they kept it simple. Um, 
I just, I just I thought it was brilliant. I really did. I cannot wait to play this game some more. Uh, in fact, I bought just the one set, and I've already called the owner over at Kathleen over at Unique Gifts and Games, our sponsor, and told her, make sure you order me this, 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 and this, because I, I need this stuff. I need these pieces, because <laughs> I can't wait to play. I can't wait to play it again. I'm really excited. So, um, anything else that you did that you wanted to cover? I think I think we're gonna, I'm going to come back at some point once I get these games and get some of the some of NW two to play a couple of rounds. Uh, we'll do some garage gamers maybe on some of these games. Oh, we played Fortune and Glory from uh, Fighting Frog Games. We did Flying Frog Games. Yeah, Flying Frog Games. That game was fun. <laughs> We played we played the demo version. Uh, kind of. We ki- kind of. There were a lot of rules going on. It's, it's typical when you buy a game. Right. Uh, the player that evening, uh, a lot of rules were, were played wrong and misplayed. Well, but, we met but the presence, the the, the 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 style of it is you are, you know, a, a treasure hunter running around the world whilst the Nazis are flying around in their blimp. Uh, you've got to avoid the Nazis, grab the treasure, work through a series of... Uh, quests to get the treasure, but it all feels very Indiana Jones, very much to it, so. and very cinematic to the point where if you fail one of your your attempts at kind of crossing a rope bridge, it would snap underneath you, or you're flying a plane low into occupied territory, you'd end up having to try and avoid a crash. Or I got eaten by a yeti. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and it's yeah, it's it, it was a neat it was a neat mechanic in the game where because there's I mean the bad the bad characters that show up on the board that you sometimes have to fight are Nazis yeah. and mobsters. So it yeah. is. It's right at Indiana Jones. Uh, so you're going on an adventure and it says you have to beat four adventure cards to get this treasure. So you can, as you beat them and get through, um, if you fail one, your turn's over and on your next turn you have to actually flip the card and it's called a cliffhanger. Yeah. Because when you come back on your next when we see you again. Absolutely. It's, it feels like it feels very much like a, that kind of film TV Right. Thing. I, I made my way through some ice caves, over some mountains, round a maze of tunnels, and ended up trying to sneak into a big cave full of worshippers of some demon god. Yep. And failed my rolls and got caught. Well, next time, all of a sudden, they're all rushing at you, and you, well, you come back to that scene. And there was the one where you were flying, and you failed that one, and you flipped it oh. over, and the cliffhanger was crashing into a mountain. It's yes. like, you, I have to either do this, or I'm going to crash it. I mean, it was... It really captured that Indiana Jones feel um, you really even, well. You can even try and fight your way onto a Zeppelin full of Nazis and steal all their Nazi gold. Yeah. For, and I'm glad we played it because Christopher had told me a while back that he had tried it and he really enjoyed it. We, we, we chose as soon as we realized we got one rule wrong. Oh, we're going to play the demo version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> play it through. And but uh, yeah, because we kept looking at rules, saying, "Oh, this is." It was kind of neat because we were like, we weren't doing it, but then when it wasn't our turn, we were looking up new rules. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It is a complicated game. I mean, there's a lot going on, but it's not so complicated that it's it's really well, once you know what's going on, I'm sure it, it goes a lot more smoothly. But yeah, I was I was really imp- impressed with that from from uh, Flying Frog. That was really fun. I would be really I would be really willing to try out another game from from their line. After playing that, yeah. So, uh, and then uh, that was Saturday night, and then Sunday rolled around, and we hit the vendors' hall, walked around a little bit more, and um, 
by then I think we were pretty wiped out. My legs are still sore. Every time I get up off a chair, my knees and my 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 calves are just like you fool. You do a lot of walking, <laughs> a lot of walking, a lot of walking. Um, but uh, I don't know. I guess you know we're at about time. It's just a little over an hour. But I cannot wait to go next year. My wife is looking forward to going next year as well. Now that she knows what to expect. Um, like I said, we just were really planning on going. And you can actually bring your kids. There were a lot of kids there. I think Harrison might come with next year. Um, the, In fact, the hotel was nice enough that my wife even said, we might just all go. Make it a weekend vacation. Right. And so when I go to sign up for, because I will definitely be signing up for some more gaming and more tournaments. Yeah. And she's like, I can, you know, they, we take the girls to the pool and do stuff like that. Uh, but I, I just, I don't remember ever having so good a time with that just variety of gaming. Absolutely. And not even gaming, the artists, the, the novelists there I walk around. Oh, sure. A uh, good dozen art booths is some absolutely cracking stuff oh, out right. there. Um, on top of the gaming, the gaming, there's a lot of other things going on. Yeah. So, uh, I just, I mean, we just scratched the surface, but that was our experiences there. That was the time we had, the games we brought back. Um, and I definitely will be trying to give them a shot, give those games uh, a role. And um, if anything really stands out and is really great, uh, you can expect it on a future uh, Garage Gamer. Um, so I'm gonna. I think we should wrap this up about now. I do want to make one quick apology to Joe Flesh, who thought the next Garage Gamer was going to be Blood Bowl, um, <laughs> but I have not had time to sit down and Skype with him about Blood Bowl. So when this comes out, he's going to be furious with me. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Greg, uh, it was great having you here as a house guest for a few days well, before thank Gen you for Con, having me. and uh, it was really just it was a fun time hanging out with you and uh, and. Uh, and playing uh, games and hanging out at, at uh, Gen Con. And, um, you know, if you're ever coming back this way to the U.S., you're welcome to come and hang out with us and stay here and, and do some more stuff. Um, it, was, it was just good to have you here, man. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a, it's been a blast. All right. Well, folks, uh, that was Garage Gamer 4A Gen Con 2012. Hope you enjoyed it. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for episode 55 of Garage Hammer coming out within the next week. And that's about it. We'll see you guys soon. Good night.